Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Hello everybody and welcome to The View from the Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. I'm Danny Kelly, I'm joined today by The Athletic's Jack Pickbrook and James Moore. So, at the end of yet another week where Spurs remain unbeaten, that's run is starting to really become impressive, isn't it? Well, of course, it's caused the third successive Spurs match to be postponed. Jack, I'm sorry to put you in the position of being our medical expert, but you've been following this all the time. When are we likely to see Spurs play any football again, do you think? I don't know, Danny. Um, Thanks I, very much. Goodbye, everybody. I <laughs> At the moment, the game against Liverpool on Sunday afternoon remains on. Uh, we should say we're currently, it's first thing on Friday morning while we, while we record this. Liverpool yes. did successfully play a game last night against Newcastle United. They didn't have a completely full-strength team to choose from, but they did have more than enough players to play and win the game. Players who had tested positive at Tottenham after the Norwich game have started to return to training. So, in theory, Tottenham should be able to put together a team to play Liverpool on Sunday. However, this is a very fast-moving situation, clearly. And the fact is that, you know, Tottenham were in their hotel in Leicester Yes, was it? I don't even know. Was it yesterday? What day is it? It's, yeah, yeah, yesterday morning. morning. Yesterday afternoon, or yesterday lunchtime? Sorry, Tottenham were in their hotel in Leicester, ready to play the game at the King Power Stadium, and then the game was called off, and they had to go back to, to London. So, which just shows how close to the wire these things can go before they do get cancelled. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, I'd love to say Tottenham will be playing Liverpool on Sunday, and that is the date that we've all, that's what we've all got written down in our diaries, but. I wouldn't bet on it. No. My, my my sense, and this could be proven to be completely wrong, and I hope that is the case, uh, is that although Spurs are now on the kind of downward curve of cases in the camp, as we've kind of seen over the last week, you know, they've returned to training. It looked like they were going to be put out, be able to put out some semblance of a team at Leicester on Thursday evening. Are you just worry that Liverpool, you know, they've had, I think, they've confirmed three first-team yeah. players uh, as, as isolating 
And you just wonder whether they, you know, when they do their testing this morning after their game last night, whether they may suddenly realise they have a couple more and then you start to get into the realm of maybe needing to call that game off as well. It just wouldn't be a surprise at this stage at all, would it? Uh, no, ab- absolutely not. And of course, with I think at the moment, four of this of the weekends, again, we're speaking on Friday morning, with four of this upcoming weekend's Premier League fixtures already called off, there may be a, a case for saying, well, you know, we can't be playing these games in dribs and drabs. But let's go back, if I may, to the circumstances surrounding Leicester. Because as you rightly say, uh, Jack, the, you know, the team were in the, in the hotel ready to go. It's, it's all a bit, a bit confusing, isn't it? Because the Premier League have not laid down absolute laws about or parameters for cancelling matches. We had a situation where one team wanted to play, wanted to cancel the game because they had injuries in COVID, Leicester City. And one team, as I understand it, wanted to cancel it because they wanted to make a, a fixture space for to play Wren, possibly even in France. I mean, it was total chaos, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really strange week with lots of um, you know, lots of back and forth. I think at various points, both teams, I think, wanted the, you know, had spoken to the Premier League about calling the game off. Antonio Conte spoke about this really openly at his uh, pre-match press conference on Wednesday lunchtime. But it seemed as if at that point, the Premier League had said, no, you, know, you might have your problems, but we are going to try and keep the game on. And they wanted to keep the show on the road which is why, of course, Tottenham travelled up to Leicester. And really, I think it was positive cases um, at Leicester City on Thursday morning, more positive cases, that is, that made it impossible to fulfil the fixture. So clearly it was a, you know, I think these situations move so quickly that it's difficult. It's diff- I have a lot of, well, obviously I have sympathy with people saying, what are the rules? You know, what, is this an arbitrary cancellation? I don't know what the what, what the benchmarks are for a, a postponement or the rest of it. At the same time, the, you know, it's tough for the Premier League because they have to try to keep as many games on as possible and they have to be flex and they ha- they're trying to be flexible and reactive. One of the things that struck me again and again and again, James, is we don't know who the Spurs players, I mean, you may know who the Spurs players are, I don't know, who got COVID? If you did know, and James, do you do you know Jack? Is a matter of a matter of interest because they haven't announced it, have they? Tottenham have had a, a clear policy of not discussing in public who has got uh, who has tested positive. Sorry for coronavirus, but yeah, I, I, I personally I have a decent idea. James, if Jack knows, you probably know. What's your policy on publishing the names? Because if they had a broken metatarsal, you wouldn't hesitate. Well, this is a, this is the kind of odd thing of the whole situation when you're talking about like a pandemic going through the Premier League. As you say, if these players are missing the game for any other reason, it would be discussed in the pre-match press conference. Everyone would be everyone would be upfront about who is missing and why. But with this, because it's a because it's a medical thing rather than a kind of a sporting injury thing, it seems to be legally and ethically a slightly different ballpark so I don't know I mean I think if it was another medical condition it may be made public if it was a one-off thing not in a pandemic it may be made public but it may not have been you've seen examples in the past you know Darren Fletcher had um, that stomach lining issue for like a season and a half and it was all kept very private until until he finally came back to play for Manchester United or, or West Brom maybe again and then suddenly he kind of he went public with what he'd had and kind of explained what had been going on but because it was that kind of medical issue rather than a footballing one 
uh, it, it was kind of kept private and people respected that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were questions. I'm sure there are questions asked. I'm sure Manchester United fans on the internet were asking, where's Darren Fletcher? What's going on with Darren Fletcher? But that that was kept private. And the principle was kind of the same. I mean, obviously, it, 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 is, it is borderline farcical. And you saw again yesterday, Liverpool with with players missing, obviously Van Dijk, chief among them, the, the, the headline one. Journalists find out these things ahead of time, but you can't publish them for those reasons. But then like the second that the team is named at, at seven o'clock, Liverpool then have to put out a statement saying this is what's happened because you have to justify, you have to explain why those players are missing. Jack, let me return to the the, the Premier League. And, and of course, I, I, I absolutely understand that they, like every family, every small business, everybody have got a difficult set of decisions on their hands to make here. Um, what do you think their priorities are at the moment? Is it just getting football matches on? And will that priority change if uh, the current Om- Omicron uh, variant t- starts to take hold? So at the moment, the Premier League's priority is to keep as many games on as they can, working on a case-by-case basis, seeing which you know which games are able to be played and which are not. Clearly, this week, I think there's been a, a bit of pressure from clubs you know, we, I think this started with Thomas Frank calling for a kind of circuit breaker to Premier League football. I know that other people at other clubs agree with him and think there should be a stoppage now, you know, come back, I don't know, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, and see what the situation is then. But the, the Premier League wants to carry on. And, you know, I can see it both on both sides. I, can, I think there are very strong arguments for a pause because I think fans and players and broadcasters and everyone deserves a bit of clarity and so, and certainly it would be safer if all the games were paused. That said, the Premier League has got, you know, the Premier League has to complete 380 fixtures every season and they don't have an infinite amount of time to do that in and there's not a lot of wiggle room in the calendar this year. So the Premier League, you know, they want to play the games that are able to be played and arguably, let's say you did a pause now, came back on Boxing Day, the situation's still bad on Boxing Day, you've just lost a few potential game slots, and then maybe by if things clear up in, I don't know, January or February, then all of a sudden every team's got an extra five games to fit in, and not a lot of time to do that. So, you know, I can understand the case both for and against a circuit breaker, but right now the Premier League is trying to keep trying to keep the show on the road, and ultimately... It will be the government, I think, who would have to say, no, stop it, you can't do this anymore. You know, it's the in a sense, the clubs are waiting on the on the Premier League to show some leadership and the Premier League is waiting on the government to show some leadership. But at the moment, and again, you know, it's the 17th of December and things can change. I don't think we are going to see a big change of policy from the government, certainly not this side of Christmas. And that means I, I am expecting the, you know, the Premier League to roll on forward. I do actually think uh, w- what might happen is that the Premier League will point to Spurs and say, well, look, they, they missed a Premier League game because of COVID, but then they were in a position to play again on the following Thursday night. I, I, and I think Spurs' willingness to play this game and desire to play this game against Leicester will probably be the thing that actually keeps the whole show running, really. Because I think I think the expectation will then be that at other clubs, you know, it'll be a similar time frame. And then, sure, you know, we may lose a lot of game this, games this weekend, a few games on Boxing Day, maybe a couple in that the, uh, 28th, you know, the one between Boxing Day and New Year's Day. But maybe there, and this is possibly slightly naive, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if there was an expectation that by New Year's Day, the second week of January, that things might be all back to normal. And they'll just kind of have to make do between now and then. And there's other pressures, isn't there, too? I mean, um, I think I'm right in saying that 
Amazon have paid a lot of money for their football matches and the vast majority of them fall over this Christmas period. Now, look, that should not be a consideration. But we live in the real world, and it, and it will be. Oh, it, it definitely will. It yeah. definitely will be. Look, the Premier League is a, is a business, yeah. right? And, and you know, they they gave money back to broadcasters in twenty twenty because. Oh, can you imagine the look on the, the sour look on their faces when they had to hand back money? Oh my god! Yeah, and you know, obviously they managed to claw more or less all of it back in the end because they did play the games behind closed doors, mm. in the end. they managed to resolve that problem in a way. But uh, they're going to be determined to not lose any money again this time around, aren't they? So it is not correct to stare at the prospect before us um, as though it were 18 months ago when we were talking about this all through the summer um, and how we, what, how, when, how we deal with a closed down football and all the rest of it. Because, of course, the world is a different place. And if, like me, you believe that the vaccinations are a way out of all of this, then it, it is a different story. So I guess, I guess, Jack, that means that having a slightly more piecemeal attitude, you know, Sucking it and see makes is, is more possible than it was 18 months ago when it was clear that we were going to have to close society down for a while to try and give ourselves the best chance. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the situation, you know, obviously in many ways it does feel to a lot of people like uh, a repeat of March 2020 or December 2020 at this point. But I, I, I agree with you that the presence of the vaccines means that the situation is not precisely the same, uh, we all hope. And that means that maybe the calculation will slightly change on what, you know, what is permissible and what is not. That said, I don't know whether or not playing with fans at the moment is sustainable. I mean, whatever, I think there's, I think it's important to separate the issue of, you know, there's there's two separate issues here when it comes to whether or not the Premier League should continue. One is to do with player safety and the games taking place at all. And the other is to do with fans in the stadiums. Now, obviously back when coronavirus started in March 2020 in the UK, we decided all football stopped and then it came back behind closed doors. I think there is a stronger argument right now to playing behind closed doors than there is to stopping football completely. Uh, Simply because, you know, cases are so high in the UK at the moment, especially in London, you know, both statistically and anecdotally, you know, it's rife, it's everywhere. Look at the statistics for how, look at the lines for how, you know, it's going up exponentially in London at the moment. This is an instinct rather than um, based on fact. I'll, I'll start with you, James. What's your instinct? That's Separate. very much my mantra. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're, you're, a, you're a gut man. Um, yeah. Are we going to have football on each of the designated days when we would have throughout the, the holiday or will, some, or will we have to have some kind of break? Uh, I, I don't think we'll get like a kind of full league-wide break. I think there'll be a lot of games off on all of those rounds between now and the new year. Whether or not, so, I mean, it's, it seems like, as I said before, it seems like things are going in the right direction for Spurs now. Yeah. Whether or not that suddenly changes again, I suppose we'll have to see. Uh, anecdotally, you ca- it kind of seems like once these things start dying down, they die down in the longer term and you don't get a sudden uptick again. So Spurs may be in a position to play you know, as we said, against Liverpool on Sunday and against Crystal Palace on uh, the 27th. But whether or not those other two clubs are in a position to play, we just don't We just don't know yet, do we? Anything could happen at any club between, you know, now and 10 days' time. You gentlemen on here have told me over and over again that what, what Spurs need is a spell where they're not flying off in the Conference League, but actually just getting some training in with Antonio Conte. Um, now, 
I admit that um, this has all been broken up by the COVID, but a long stretch without any matches, is it? Uh, is that going to benefit Spurs? It's kind of difficult to say at the moment, isn't it? Because obviously players, you know, we know there would have been a decent chunk of a squad who would have missed training. And everyone would have been away from the training ground for that for that week when it was shut. So, I mean, you're right in that they haven't had these mad matches in the Conference League and wherever else to contend with. But I, I wouldn't say they've had like two weeks of... I don't think it's kind of a two-week training schedule that Antonio Conte would have like no. planned in his dreams. Well, they've also been to Burnley and been to, uh, yeah, to, been Leicester. to Leicester. Yeah, exactly, and not played the games. I mean, I don't know. I, I suppose we'll see. I mean, I, I suspect they must have done quite a lot of video sessions, which can't which can't be a bad thing. And, you know, one or two players who maybe had a bit of fatigue from playing twice a week for the first three months of the season maybe will benefit from a little bit of a break. But at the same time, they have to benefit the rhythm of playing games every week. And you wouldn't be entirely surprised if Spurs were a bit ring rusty when they finally do come back, whether it's Sunday or next Sunday or whenever else. At least we've been spared the sight of Jose Mourinho and Tanke and Dombele playing together in the park. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one of the more ludicrous... Would have been legal this time. Yeah, I know. Um, one of the more performative pieces of management, I think, over, over recent years. Why don't we take a break? Um, let that all percolate down. We've still got actually a number of questions left over. Uh, I, I left over makes them sound like they weren't good enough. Um, we just didn't get through all of the questions people wanted to answer um, on the last podcast. And I'm going to bring some of those to you here uh, very, very soon on The View from the Lane. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Yeah, welcome back. You're listening to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. James Moore and Jack Pitbrook are with me as well from The Athletic. Of course, they're from The Athletic. Um, some more of the questions with which you bombarded us uh, over the last few days. We didn't get through all of them. Uh, Johnny A has asked, on a recent pod, you discussed Spurs' popularity in the USA. Of course, Jack had actually been in, in the United States for uh, 10 days. Um, and you didn't mention, says Johnny, the impacts from the uh, Amazon Prime documentary do you actually think it made much of an impact? Well, it's funny because after we did that podcast, I I asked for people to send their own stories about why you know how they came to support Tottenham. It's fascinating, wasn't and it? I got I got dozens and dozens of people mm. replying, and I can I genuinely can barely remember anyone pointing to the Amazon documentary at all as a cause. There were all sorts of stuff. You know, there was NBC coverage of the Premier League. There was Clint Dempsey signing with Tottenham. There was the you know the 2014 World Cup. The Pochettino, Gareth Bale, all sorts of factors, but I just can't. I mean, I might be misremembering, but I genuinely can't remember anyone saying, Oh, I watched the Amazon documentary and that won me over to Tottenham. Now, it might well be that somebody had a kind of, you know, somebody started being cute, Tottenham curious, let's say, in the mid 2010s, and then they watched the Amazon documentary, and like, Yes, this is the team for me. Maybe that happened, but I, uh, and I think to be honest, that's probably what Daniel Levy wanted to happen when he could, he got the documentary made in the first place, but I, can't say I had anybody say that that's why they chose the team. But if you did, 
let us know. Yeah, nobody, nobody said that bit where Jose Mourinho gets up and pretends he has to turn off a three grand television by hand while swearing. That, that was the <laughs> highlight for me. And no, or does the crazy frog voice? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and nobody said watching. Will, will Americans know what crazy frog is? Oh, that is a great question. They probably won't. Well, uh, can you we'll do it now and then well, we can get them to write in it. Just day. Google American yeah. listeners, Google crazy frog, and then practice. We we'd love to hear your version of it as well. Um, nobody said yes. I live in Stallions Tackle, Arkansas, and I loved the bit where Danny Rose was uh, trying to argue with Jose Mourinho and threatened to go and see the head boy, uh, Daniel Levy, who didn't know <laughs> what he wanted, and um, while all the time averting, av- avoiding the manager's gaze. Poor old Danny. Um, thank you for that. Um, Adam J uh, said there have been there's been much discussion about the possibility of Delhi and Harry Winks leaving in January. How likely are both of them, says Adam, to go? Because wouldn't it cause a problem for our homegrown quota? The endless tightrope of homegrown quotas, yeah. Fans love that homegrown quota thing, don't they? I'm sure like fans obsess over that more than clubs or like associations or whatever. I, mean, I must have, you know, I know I, I spent a lot of time thinking about football, reading about it, watching it. I don't even know what it is anymore. Who is it? Because it's on Championship Manager. Oh yeah, it must. Yeah, maybe ah. it is a, a football manager thing. Yeah, yeah you probably don't right. play. So if you don't play, play the modern game. I mean, I, I don't play those games anymore because I'm 33. But when you're, um, but if you play those games, like you obviously and you have got a squad in Europe, you are compelled to fulfil the quota. I remember so. You anyone who's played the game has always been like, oh no, I need like, was it four homegrown? Is it four association trains and another four club train? I think to make up eight homegrown players. Is that right? Any way for squad? Yeah, something like that. I think that's right. Um, yeah. And also, Tottenham are in a particularly difficult situation with homegrown because, of course, Dyer, who England international, doesn't count as homegrown because he was in the Sporting Lisbon sorry, Academy, Sporting yeah. Academy, and Ben Davies in also, Europe. In the Premier League, Ben Davis and, and don't, doesn't Eric Dyer right. count as homegrown in the Premier League as well? Ben Davis so you wait for rather in the Premier League. He was at Swansea City, and I assume that's also the case with Joe Roden. So you've been yeah. looking at more like uh, Winks, Delhi, Tanganga, Sessegnon, Skip. Skip, off the top of my head. Uh, and I, I'm trying to think Kane, about. probably Harry Kane. Kane. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Remember him? You would imagine so. Uh, so those, I think, would be the homegrown players. In terms of the futures of Winks and Delhi, um, so yeah, this is something David Ornstein touched on the other day. Uh, Delhi is available this summer, sorry, this January. Should anybody, I think the, the Tottenham accept that it's most likely to be a loan rather than a, a sale at this point because of his value. You know, if you'd asked me a month or two ago, I'd have said I, I would expect Winks to maybe follow him, but I think Winks has impressed Conte so far in training. He's obviously played or started the Leeds game and come on a few times and done well and is generally thought to be doing pretty well around the club at the moment and would like to ideally stay and fight for his place. So my expectation is that Winks will definitely stay this January, whereas Delhi is available for a loan uh, if there are clubs out there who want him. I mean, it's also the issue that the way things are going with the pandemic, clubs are liable, liable to have, I mean, Spurs already have got more games than they were expecting, say from January the 1st through to the end of the, of yeah. the season. You'll need bodies in the building, won't you? You can't be trimming squads too 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 thinly because they're going to have to keep playing, aren't they? Yeah, and to be fair, that is where that homegrown quota thing, I guess, really will come in. That you're gonna you're gonna need to get that right. The, the homegrown players in your squad, you're gonna want to be players you know can play in the Premier League. And despite some of the gripes about Harry Winks on Twitter, he would be in that category. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be recalling Troy Parrott from his loan, do you? You need to have enough players. To keep going. Yeah. Here's a bit of praise for you, Jack, from Jonathan F. 
who says, I enjoyed your article on Conte earlier this week. Um, my question, what has impressed you most about him so far? I just feel like he's really up for it. I feel like he's really determined. I don't feel like he's taken this job because, oh, you know, I kind of wanted Man United or Real Madrid, but I found, you know that wasn't available, so let's just do Spurs for a bit. I really, just through seeing him on the touchline and press conferences and speaking to people around the club and people, you know, other sources, I just feel like he's really all in on making a good fist of it. You know, he's really... He's so he was so angry after the Mura game. He's so happy after the you know with moments in the Brentford game, for example. Yeah, he's so committed to making Tottenham as good as possible, and you know he want, he's desperate for the players to get fit, and he's desperate to keep the players training and to te- to get across his style of play. And it's not just a kind of I'm only here for ten minutes to get paid kind of thing. So I think that like we we knew he was good. So there's no point in me saying I'm really impressed by his no. the fact that he's good, but I. You know, because that's obvious. But I am impressed by his, the extent to which he's fully all in and committed to making the best possible fist of this. And I know, sorry, this is another kind of obvious point, but that energy and enthusiasm is is so infectious. And and I know we have to be careful using that at the moment. Um, In a way that, like, with respect, Nuno and and actually Mourinho as well, like, we kind of... There were times when Mourinho just felt like he was doing that job so reluctantly. Yeah. Like, almost like, you know, almost odds of what you said before about Conte, Jack, that he he kind of... uh, Like, he kind of felt he was above it almost. At the time, it felt a bit like that. I'm doing you a favour to be here, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and with Conte, it just feels like his his natural stance in the dressing room or around the players is, like, a bit more sort of motivated, a bit more energetic and a bit more kind of passionate and I just think like that, that's a far better thing to fall back on than you know being smug going on about your previous successes and crazy frog impression yeah yeah completely and please look up crazy frog American listeners any of us just outside the GB where our, uh, our our pop charts have always oh, Mark, that must have been big across Europe oh, that's I'm, I'm sure number yeah. number one in Holland oh, was it initially a ringtone which became a song or was it a song which became a ringtone I reckon it. I reckon it was a song that was created to be a ringtone. You know, like Transformers was a TV program created to like sell toys. I reckon it was a, a song that was created to sell the ringtone. Maybe our producer will stick in a quick burst of it here. Oh yeah, that'd be perfect. As well as going out to, uh, you know, our sort of foreign listeners, we'd have to educate themselves on Crazy Frog. Also, if we've got anyone under the age of. I don't oh, know, yeah, 20, 22. If there's yeah, any teenagers true. out there listening to this, they must be thinking, what on earth are they going on about? Yeah, because God, that 18 what, years ago, 19 years yeah, ago. I mean, yeah, was yeah, it yeah, like yeah. 2000, mid-2005, 2006? Yeah, 2000. On the Crazy Frogs Wikipedia page, it says years active, 2003 to 2009. <laughs> so, although, although, sweet, Swedish as well, by the although, way. Uh, Swedish, well, there you go. Those, those listeners that you're talking about and uh, subscribers who are you know under 20, 25 and under... They will be less shocked by Crazy Frog than we are because they've been brought up on treated vocals, haven't they? Oh, well, like auto-tune. That, that's yeah, what most yeah, singers yeah. sound like now anyway. So old man complains about auto-tune. I bet, <laughs> I bet there's been like a Crazy Frog. There must have been a Crazy Frog thing on TikTok at some point. It feels like that must have been a TikTok thing at some point. If not, we'll do one this afternoon. Well, yeah? we, 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 well on, on the view from the lane TikTok. We'll, yeah. we'll do it. Let's get him on next week's pod. Okay. Um, we, we, thank you for bringing all these from Crazy. Oh, it'd be brilliant if we could get the actual Crazy Frog people on. Take another break, and then we're going to t- t- take you down a strange wormhole. 
that we went uh, down ourselves. We, we have a little WhatsApp group here on The View from the Lane. Obviously, we do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be getting this stupendously high quality, stratospherically high quality um, of content. But yesterday, we found ourselves talking about a blonde bombshell actress from the 1950s. I'll explain all in just a few seconds' time here on The View from the Lane. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So here we are in the home straight of this edition of The View from the Lane. Um, yesterday on the Beautiful Lane's WhatsApp group where we prepare, as I say, to make the award-winning content that you're no doubt enjoying uh, so much this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to it. And um, we were talking once again, and we'll come back to this, about sp- celebrity Spurs fans. I think we were we mostly spent the last few weeks con- confirming that uh, young Holland, who plays Spider-Man, is indeed a Spurs fan. I can confirm this because I'm mates with his father. Dominic Holland, a um, very funny comedian, football fan, came into the show I was doing on the radio, and he leant back and he said, Guess what's happened with my youngest? Go on then. I said, do you want to tell me? He's the new Spider-Man. Get him on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Get a Spider-Man on Let's the podcast. Let's get him on the podcast. Him on. So we're getting, get him on. We're getting the, the, the frog and Spider-Man. Mm. Very good. Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah. We'll start doing like celebrity guest uh, yeah. guest I'd like slots that. I'd like that very much. That's going to be how we're going to uh, like keep yeah. the pro- podcast fresh. And moving year. forward and destroying all other podcasts in our path, which of course is my number one aim. Anyway, we've got to talk about celebrity Spurs fans and I... Remember the photograph uh, that I uh, that I'd seen, and uh, you two tell me that it's a very famous photograph. Jane Mansfield, the nineteen uh, fifties American film star, was photographed at White Hart Lane 
in a white dress sat on the edge of one of the uh, sort of stands, the upper stands at the old White Hart Lane, with a vast crowd at a night match of, of men, and there's not a woman to be seen, men in flat caps turning towards her with a quite bewildering, bewildered look on their face. I suspect, with all due respect, that in 1959, there weren't many women in Britain who looked like Jane Mansfield, and this uh, this may have been the, the part of it. I, I did a bit of research that... Because you tell me, Jack, that uh, that the that photograph is is featured somewhere in the new stadium. Yeah. So, if you walk when you walk from the sort of media lounge at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium through towards the the press box and the press conference auditorium through that corridor, they have famous you know old photos of Tottenham in the past. Dave McKay picking up Billy Bremner. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Winning cups, that kind of thing. And one of them is that famous Jane Mansfield photo from the old White Hart Lane. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a very funny photo, not least for the 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 fans gawping at her, and also the way the fans are dressed. Go on. The, the, as in, like the the fans are wearing jackets and ties. Yeah, it's a nightmare. So I guess that they, they well, they're showing off to Jane. They're Mansfield. coming from work, aren't they? They're coming from work. Yeah, uh, must yeah. Be. The the thing that strikes me, sorry, yeah. is people always go on about like how much older football crowds are now than they were in in kind of the golden era, which yeah. you know this kind of time, like late fifties. But actually, we look at that crowd; they're all those blokes. And I mean, I I know people from the old days look older than yeah, you yeah. know, like like kind of thirty six year old man children like me. But I, those blokes all look like they're in their kind of fifties, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the the I mean, here's the bit where I go. Of course, I was alive when that photograph was taken, um, though I would have been two. But, but of course, what happened? Um, and you know, I've had to be careful. With people of your age don't remember the terraces. Didn't stand on terraces. Everybody, all the young people, uh, James, were down the front. You would be, you'd be, oh, okay. be funneled. You'd be funneled down the front because obviously, if you're four foot eleven, you can't see anything otherwise. That crush of humanity. Um, so th- I'm not surprised that there's no teenagers there because they, we in those days would have always been uh, down the front. And yes, people used to pass kids over their heads as well. Uh, I I don't remember that happening a great deal, but I did see it once or twice. I remember my dad telling me about that, Mm. uh, being passed over, Mm. being... Like crowd surfers, yeah. Yeah, when he used to go to Main Road in the 50s and 60s, Mm. you would get kind of passed down to the front. Absolutely, absolutely. So that game, it turns out, um, she was there, whatever she was promoting. Uh, That was a game against Wolves in October, I think, of 59. Um, Wolves were then the champions of England, and it was to first against second. Spurs were top, Wolves were second, and Spurs won five one on the night, which is still not the take that Tim Spurs. Yeah, still, come on, you Spurs! <laughs> Why were we arguing? Um, I, I came in late on the uh, on the celebrity Spurs fan thing. Who were we? Oh, yeah. Who were we recruiting? Have you got any other favourites? Have you because we we touched on a few last time? Obviously, the, we know the you, we know you listen back to the podcast. Uh, y- yes, um, of course. Very very busy this week. At the, at the who, wedding. Who, yeah. What, what were the highlights? Uh, yeah. Bob Marley, apparently. Yep. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, maybe oh, my favourite. Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, and who else have we had written in? Uh, Adam Richman of Man Vs. Food. Uh, he's uh, one of those people who said about 15 clubs. I'm not, I'm not having that John Cena has pitched John up. John Cena, yeah. Has pitched John Cena, up, yeah. yeah has pitched up, John yeah. Cena. Joe Nesbo, uh, William Yo, Joe Nesbo is definitely true, because I checked this out with the lady wife who moves in literary circles, yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. Um, yep. 
The notorious prisoner Charles Bronson was on we didn't <laughs> yeah. discuss, who's definitely a Spurs fan, so that's that's good. Uh, very good. We'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get him on on Zoom yeah, as well. Could. Oh, yeah. Chaz, are you up for this? Yeah. He's not uh, well, I mean, they are, they are a remarkable bunch, aren't they? I mean, And Michael McIntyre. McIntyre. Well, I see, McIntyre gets a lot of grief, doesn't he? Um, but not yes. being as funny as some more edgy people. It was about 15 years ago when he was just starting to become really famous. He used to do the half-time thing at Spurs. Paul Coit would drag him out of the crowd at the old lane. And the best thing about Michael was that he obviously watched the games in a state of advanced libation. He was absolutely twatted when he used to come out to talk <laughs> at half-time. And I really admire this about him. There's a bloke who's enjoying his football and enjoying his life. Any more? Uh, Gre- Greg Jenner, the kind of he, oh, the no, celebrity. Oh, yeah. Abs- in fact, he, I, mean, I know he's a big athletic fanboy. I don't know if or not he listens to the podcast, but I think absolute he might. Spurs fan. Yeah, uh, he's written a, he's written a book about celebrities, so he's definitely he's definitely a celebrity, right? Adele, every now and then, it reveals her, her love yeah. of Spurs. Uh, AJ Tracy, the rapper, is currently he's mad for Spurs. Currently, we could probably this is almost inexhaustible list, but is that the end of talking about frogs, Spider Man, and COVID? Yes. For, for now. And, and, and again, people listening to our voices, you have any number of ways of getting in, in contact, um, including just stopping James and Jack in the street um, if, you're, if you happen to be in the great metropolis of London. Well, I, I, I'm not leaving the house at the moment, Danny. Oh. I'm kind of, like a lot of people in London, I'm sort of self-locking down in the run-up to Christmas, trying to avoid getting Omicron. So I've basically been sat at home for the last week. So you're, you're, you might not see if me. If you pass Jack's house and you see his face in the window and you want to pass on Oh, I know who's a Spurs fan. I know who's a Spurs fan. Um, yeah, you could, we, we'd love well, to hear I'm more. I'm getting my boost. Speaking of COVID, I'm getting my booster later. What time? At, uh, what time? Uh, about four o'clock out in the the pharmacy by New Cross Station. So if you're in, <laughs> why are you giving this information out? What, 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 what's wrong with that? If people, well, you could get mad. I'm kind of encouraging the listeners to get boosted. I know you're not. You're encouraging the listeners to go and meet you. No, I'm not. It's just that, kind of no one. No one murdered Jack. Uh, that's just the last thing we need. I'm getting mine at four o'clock as well today. Oh, cool. um, In the lovely village of Gregna Manor. Get your boosters, kids. Get your boosters. Otherwise, you'll end up sounding like the crazy frog and nobody wants that. <laughs> Listen, thank you both very, very much sir, for getting up so early in my case. Actually, the, the, the dawn has come up behind me. Um, I can see out the window there. Listen, thank you both very, very much indeed. And if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on Spurs and everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can get 33% off a full subscription. That's at theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. It's also a great gift to give someone for Christmas. And we'll be back next week. Hopefully Spurs will have played. We shall see. Thank you all for listening. The Athletic.